Thank you so much, Terry. Um, it is a great joy to be with you all. Um, I cherish the, my friendship with Terry uh, over these years. <clears throat> He's been a great uh, blessing to me as well. I faced different kinds of problems than he faced because I was starting from scratch. Um, now my successor is having the problems that I left him. Uh, <clears throat> um, but it is great. Um, I'm thankful for this church and for uh, the opportunity to be here with you all for your missions conference. So I love missions conferences because it gives us an opportunity to stop for a moment and sort of lift our eyes up and think about the bigger picture. Uh, sometimes we're so much involved in the details of ministry and just the administrative things that have to be done uh, that we lose sight of this great kingdom work that we are all a part of, <clears throat> that we're involved in, this great kingdom of our Lord Jesus Christ, uh, which he established 2,000 years ago and now has spread to encompass the entirety of this globe. Uh, this day in which we're living is very exciting because you can go anywhere uh, in the world today and find a, a, a body of believers with whom you can worship and give praise to the great and um, uh, God, our triune God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. So it's good for us to, to lift our eyes up and to see that and think about what part we play in that ongoing work of uh, the advancing kingdom of Christ. So tonight I'd like us to think about uh, just briefly in you know, a little devotion here about, uh, about motivation or what motivates us to be engaged in this great work. Um, uh, motivations are of course complex. Uh, there are many things that motivate us to do what we do. Uh, you might ask yourself what motivates me? Uh, it could be fear, it could be um, a love for something, it could be even pain. Heard a story about a busy dental office in which one patient was notoriously always late and once when he was called to confirm an appointment he said, well, I'll be about 15 minutes late. That won't be a problem, will it? No, they said, we just won't have time to give you any anesthetic. <laughs> <clears throat> Needless to say, he arrived early. Sometimes pain can be a motivator. Uh, what motivates you? What would motivate you to own the mission of Christ? What motivates a church uh, to engage in this great worldwide mission of the kingdom of God. Well, I'd like for us to think about a couple of passages that give us some insight into how our Lord Jesus approached uh, the people that he was ministering to, the people in this world. Mark 2, verses 13 to 17, and then uh, Matthew 9, 35 to 38. And Mark 2, 13 to 17 tells us the story about how uh, Jesus called Matthew, or Levi, the tax collector, uh, to come and be one of his disciples. So we read, beginning with verse 13 of Mark 2, And he went out again by the seashore, and all the people were coming to him, and he was teaching them. And he passed by, he saw Levi, the son of Alphaeus, sitting in the tax booth, and he said to him, Follow me. And he got up and followed him. And it happened that he was reclining at the table in his house, and many tax collectors and sinners were dining with Jesus and his disciples, for there were many of them, and they were following him. And when the scribes and the Pharisees saw that he was eating with the sinners and tax collectors, they said to his disciples, 
Why is he eating and drinking with tax collectors and sinners? And hearing this, Jesus said to them, it is not those who are healthy who need a physician, but those who are sick. I did not come to call the righteous, but sinners. Then look at Matthew 9, 35 to 38. Uh, Jesus was going through all the cities and villages, teaching in their synagogues and proclaiming the gospel of the kingdom and healing every kind of disease and every kind of sickness. And seeing the people, he felt compassion for them. He was physically moved. We get the word spleen from this word uh, that is used for compassion. He was moved physically because they were distressed and dispirited like sheep without a shepherd. And then he said to his disciples, the harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few. Therefore, beseech the Lord of the harvest to send out workers into the harvest. So still, this world in which you and I are living is full of spiritually sick people and people who are distressed and dispirited, drown, downtrodden, uh, much, much confusion in this dark world in which we are living. And we know more and more the darkness that we are even encountering in our own culture and the confusion that is uh, rampant about us where we're living in a day now where I would never have dreamed of such a thing uh, that uh, people are confused about what they are, male or female. Uh, young men thinking they're female and playing sports against women or a Supreme Court justice when asked, can you define a woman, said she could not because she wasn't a biologist. I would have followed up with the question, are you a woman? I would have been interested to hear her answer to that question. And then if she said she was a woman, I would want to know, how do you know that? There's much, much confusion in our culture and all over the world. In Peru, which has been the focus of my mission interest for the last 20 something years, as I've worked with Alonzo Ramirez, one of your missionaries, um, about 95% of the people there would claim to be Christian, but we know that 75% plus of them are Roman Catholics. About 11% to 14% are now claiming to be Protestant. 4% claim they are nothing at all, and 25% of those that would claim to be Christian are some kind of believe in some kind of Christo-paganism, some kind of syncretism with the ancient Indian religions of the Incas and the other Indian tribes uh, that comprise what is now called Peru. There's much confusion, much, much distress in this world in which we live. Maybe you and I would do well sometimes uh, to take a few moments to contemplate, meditate upon what it was like in our own lives when we were lost. Maybe you can't remember that. Maybe you, some of you had the great uh, blessing of being raised in a Christian home uh, where you didn't have much confusion or distress in your life spiritually, but many of us uh, could do well to go back and think about what it was like when we were in a lost condition, when we were in a state of sin and misery in this world. Now in Matthew 28, Jesus took his disciples up on a mountain and from there 
He gave them what we call the Great Commission, unimaginable in its greatness, worldwide in its scope, disciple, baptize, teach uh, the nations of the earth. Uh, they were probably on top of what's called Mount Arbol, out about 11 miles west of the Sea of Galilee, which rises above the Sea of Galilee some 1,250 feet. From that place, uh, they could look out to the north, south, <clears throat> east, and west without any kind of obstruction of their view. They could look to the north. Perhaps on a clear day, they could see maybe 100 miles to the north, but they could not see to the continent of Europe, nor could they see the British Isles. They could look to the south, but they could not see the continent of Africa that remained in darkness for a thousand plus, plus years before missionaries went there. They could look to the east, but they could not see far to the east all the way to Asia, to China or Japan or Indonesia or India and see the darkness that was there. They could look to the west, but they couldn't see as far as even to the nation of Spain, nor could they even imagine that beyond the Atlantic Ocean, there were the North American, Central American, and South American continents full of great empires that remained in darkness. What would motivate them to travel to worlds unknown, to preach the gospel of Jesus? What would motivate you to cross the street to proclaim the gospel to a neighbor or a friend? Now, there are many motivations for engaging in the mission of Jesus. There are many and varied motives that compel a man or a woman or a church to own the mission of Christ. Some are legitimate uh, motivations, some are not. Uh, there is guilt, there is fear, there is the hope of praise, notoriety, to be famous, pleasure, uh, even to discover new delights. Sometimes they call mission trips today uh, not missionaries, but uh, vacationaries. Sometimes it has been uh, to our great shame that in the history of the church, uh, some have been motivated by what they could plunder. That was certainly the case with the conquistadors uh, that went to and conquered the Aztecs and the uh, Incan empires. In fact, they were enticed a great deal by the promise of gold. When Cortez was in uh, negotiating with one of the um, uh, Montezuma's uh, chief negotiators, he asked him at one point uh, if there was more gold. Cortez said, it is good for a bad heart. You see, my men suffer from a disease of the heart which can only be assuaged by gold. And of course, the negotiator replied that they did have more, lots of it. And one man commented it was, to say the least, a dangerous admission. But what is at the heart of a man or a woman or a church that truly owns the mission of Christ? It is not fame or fortune. It is heartfelt, mercy-filled compassion for people who are lost. So I remind you, Jesus says in Matthew 9, 36, seeing the people, he felt compassion for them, for they were distressed and dispirited like sheep. Uh, without a shepherd. It said when Hudson Taylor was director of the China Inland Mission, he often interviewed candidates 
uh, for the mission field. On one occasion, he met with a group of applicants to determine their motivations for service. And why do you wish to go uh, as a foreign missionary, he asked one uh, man. He said, I want to become, I want to go because Christ has commanded us to go into all the world to preach the gospel to every creature. Another said, I want to go because millions are perishing without Christ. And others gave different answers. And then Hudson Taylor said, all of these motives, however good, will fail you in times of testings, trials, tribulations, and possible death. There is but one motive that will sustain you in trial and testing, namely the love of Christ. A missionary in Africa once was asked if he really liked what he was doing. His response was shocking. Do I like this work? He said, no. My wife and I do not like dirt. We have reasonable, refined sensibilities. We do not like crawling into vile huts through goat refuse. But as a man to do nothing for Christ he does not like, God pity him if not. Liking or disliking has nothing to do with it. We have orders to go and we go. Love constrains us. The great missionary uh, to Africa, David Livingston, was uh, moved uh, to offer himself in missionary service. He was talking to Dr. Robert Moffat on one occasion in London from the London Missionary Society, who eventually became his father-in-law. And he said, do you think I would be a good candidate to go to Africa? And um, Dr. Moffat said, many a morning have I stood on the porch of my house looking northward, and I've seen the smoke arise from villages that have never heard of Jesus Christ. I have seen at different times the smoke of a thousand villages, villages whose people are without Christ, without God, and without hope in the world. The smoke of a thousand villages, the smoke of a thousand villages. Of course, David Livingston gave his life uh, to exploration and missionary effort in the continent of Africa, 30 plus years. Eventually he died uh, at the age of 60. Um, his body was buried in England at Westminster, but his heart was buried in Africa, the Africa he loved. At the foot of a tall tree in a small African village, the natives dug a hole, and having removed his heart from his chest, they placed it in the hole and buried it. Someone asked the question, if your heart was to be buried in the place you loved most during life, where would it be? In your pocketbook, somewhere in your office, where is your heart? Jesus said, where your heart is, uh, there is your treasure also. So what is missions? Missions, we can define it very simply like this. A heart into which the compassion of Jesus has been poured. Have you experienced the compassion of Jesus personally? That's where mission starts. The removal of your guilt, the forgiveness of your sin, a purpose in life, reconciliation instead of alienation, 
resolution to conflicts, peace that passes understanding and eternal life besides. Missions is a heart into which the compassion of Jesus has been poured, overflowing with compassion for those who don't know it. May God give us compassionate hearts. Let us pray together. Heavenly Father, we thank you that you have had mercy upon us. And we pray that that would be a driving, moving force in our lives to have mercy upon those who do not know you. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen.